The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Clean Coders and its employees. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Clean Coders podcast. I'm here with Eric Critchlow. Eric, do you want to say hello? Hello. Greetings and salutations, everyone. Yeah. How are things looking down in uh, Arizona these days? Not too bad. You know, uh, we're pretty much bordering on summer in the daytimes at moments, actually, and even in the evening, the air conditioner is going on. Heater's been turned off as of about a week ago. So, you know, pretty much standard fare for February. Nice. Yeah, I'm still dreaming of summer up here in Salt Lake. So I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Yeah, well, we were chatting before the show and you've seen a few changes. And I think we'll probably, yeah, just do a, a handful of different episodes, bring you on and just talk about some of those things because it sounds like you're having some really interesting opportunities for growth and some you're, you're seeing some other angles on software development. I'm really interested to see where that goes. But you finished your Clean Coders series. I wish I had like a round of applause thing I could play or something. But yeah, uh, do you want to just uh, give people a rundown on what that is about and what the process looks like? And then we can dive into what, yeah, what, what people should learn from it, things like that. Yeah, so when, when Uncle Bob pitched the idea to me, what was, what, 2018 now? Um, Thanksgiving weekend in 2018. Mm -hmm. It was really a, you know, you make it what you want to make of it. You have the audience be who you want the audience to be. It, it's kind of you know, your baby running with it. So I kind of ruminated on that for a while and thought, yeah, I have no desire to teach Swift programming, much less Objective-C programming. Not so much a desire to teach the, the basics of visual displays on computers. So I really kind of want to, to take people who have either spent the time to learn the language or one of the languages that goes in iOS development, or at least maybe a Windows developer or Mac OS developer who has a background who understands how screen coordinates work and you know, how, you, how you get buttons and widgets and things on the screen. So people who already have something of a background that will help them you know, pick it up and running. So for me, it was, mm -hmm. this is the fundamentals of iOS development for someone who already, even like an Android developer who kind of knows how mobile development works and just wants to transition to iOS. So I, I took that as a starting point and went with, hey, you're going to have to know, you know I'm going to show you some, some code and talk about some, some coding things and 
I'm not going to explain what they are. I'm just going to going to assume that you understand this bit of code or you're going to take the time to, to go and learn it and understand it. Ended up with, with six episodes. We dropped the first three months before our, our last chat was, well, we had the chat in April of last year and, and the first three mm-hmm. dropped a few months before that. And the last three dropped a couple of months after that. And, and those six episodes kind of finished it off. I felt like that was you know, I called it iOS Development 101. So when I, in thinking of the college theme, I'm like, this this is the 100-level course. Right. you up and running with a basic app that can do, that can get things on the screen, that can accept user input and respond to it, and that can talk to a back end and push data to it and pull data from it. And that's pretty much... In, in, and can let you get a little more into uh, customizing your views beyond just the standard buttons and things on the screen. So that's where we left off there with the thought that depending on how this goes and depending on how people feel about it, then maybe we move on to a 200 level course. You know, we'll see. I was going to ask if you had a 200 level course in you. I could, and and you know, the the idea was tossed about a bit, but it was, and I thought about the the topics that would be in a 200 level course. But it was a you know let's sit back and see how this goes and uh, and of course COVID dropped before we even got these last three episodes out and right. and the whole world has kind of changed and you've got some companies and a lot of you know a lot of the customers for the Clean Coder series are companies that that mm-hmm. um, want to buy in bulk so their their people their developers can can have access to learning new things and then you know some of the market is the individual developers well. That's just kind of gone all over the place and, and some companies are pulling back and some are moving forward and, and it's just been a overall rough time. So say so we're not anywhere close to seeing how this is really going to play out and whether or not there's going to be a thirst for the 200 level series. Sounds good to me. It's, it's kind of interesting. You mentioned that Bob came to you and said, hey, do you want to do a series and kind of left it up to you what to do it on? It seems like a lot of the other video course based companies i'm thinking like the the local plural sites local to me right i mean i can drive to their office in 45 minutes they make you audition you pitch them the course they decide if they think people will want it and they'll tell you no and it sounds like bob talked to you he decided you were the kind of person he wanted for an author that you could cover something that he'd be people be interested in and then just let you run with it I was actually kind of surprised at the at the level of freedom. He did, you know, Bob did read over the scripts that I'd write. You know, every every clean coders author, you it, it's not <laughs> it's not off the cuff. You yeah, rip things out. You know how you're going to do it. You've got a you've got scenes and, and everything set. And and he reads over them just to make sure that, that it looks like it's something good and worthwhile. And and he gives it the thumbs up, but and we you know we talked about what kind of direction I would go in once he he originally told me you got that freedom, but really everything I came up with he's like yep sounds you know sounds good that that's reasonable to me and let's go with that yeah makes sense so yeah so how did you come up with the topics like how did you pick what went in and what didn't because it sounds like you had a pretty clear and somewhat unconventional view of who your audience would be one thing I did was look at. The materials that I use to learn, and, and we've talked before about, you know, how do you learn? And I told you that I pick up a book mm-hmm. and learning the, I shouldn't say the seminal book, but the most highly regarded 
paperback books in, in Mac OS and iOS development are from Big Nerd Ranch. And that's why I originally learned. And so I picked up the book and said, how, how do they structure their teaching? What do they hit on? You know, what are their main, main topics of, of focus and how do they progress through it? Okay, well, let me, let me try to, to, to consider that and keep that in mind. And the rest of it was just how if someone was going to jump into programming or learning how to, how to do it, what stages would they go through? What would they need to know mm -hmm. if I was just sitting down with someone and saying, okay, here's, you know, here's how we're going to do it. I think the first thing that, that I was going to do or I would do with such a person would be not teaching them the IDE or the development environment first could be that could come across as boring and and yeah I want to I want to get into it sooner. So the first thing is get something up and running. Understand the basics, understand what you have to do. You've, you've installed the IDE, you're a developer already, so you know how IDEs work. You've got a basic understanding. What do I have to do to get hello world up and going? Mm -hmm. Um and what basics should I understand about iOS development and, and how the OS works and how it interacts with apps to have the just the, the foundation to build on. You know, that's episode one. And then from there, it's okay, dealing with controls. You know, what do you put on the screen to get users to be able to control things and push buttons and enter text and for you to be able to display things back to them? Okay, so, you know, that's the, the next logical step. And after that, we get into talking about I called the episode Into the Toolshed. It was talking about Xcode, going through the the entire UI and, and showing not every little bit. And one thing I, I described even in the episode and, and how I've always talked about Xcode, because if, if you talk mm -hmm. to different iOS developers, especially ones who aren't just iOS developers, you'll get a multitude of opinions, but a lot of them on the, the two ends of the spectrum. Love Xcode, hate Xcode. And right. only a few people in the middle. Um, <laughs> that is so true. It, oh, absolutely. And, and so for me, I personally tend to love it, even though I know it's got its flaws and I can talk about them and I complain about them sometimes. But, you know, it, it was just showing this is the, these are the things that, that average Joe iOS developer are going to need to know on a day-to-day -day basis to be proficient or you know, conversant, proficient, capable, <laughs> at least to a certain extent with Xcode. And, you know, those were the first three episodes I shot. And I'm like, okay, well, well that's, and, and we, there was a talk about, do you, do you release the first three by themselves? Do you wait until all six are done? And it ended up being, you know, I could give them these three and, and with knowing how to get basic apps up and running and with knowing how to use Xcode there, from what you look at on the app store, there's a decent number of apps that don't take you very much beyond that. Yeah, there's some, there've been some pretty garbage apps out there, but not mm -hmm. all of them are such. You can, you know, there's ideas you can express fully with just that level of knowledge. So let's, let's, let's put those three out there. And then we came back and did the others and that got more into customized views and, you know, connecting to a back end, the, the architecture of, um, right of a good, I say a, you know, a good app and, and, you know, the, the higher end of a, a hundred level course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, at that point you're getting to proficiency, but also, yeah, you can get into some of the more nuanced discussions with 
you know, for example, when you start out in like some of the chemistry or science or math, you know, you're just trying to get the right answer, right? And similarly, when you're getting into development, you're just trying to get something that works. But yeah, as you get further down the road and you see how this stuff kind of comes together, then you get the feel that, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, now this is how I want to architect the app because going forward, it's going to matter. It's going to make a difference in the way that I write the code. It's going to save me some from some trouble, stuff like that. Right. And, you know, it's funny. I'm sitting here talking. I'm like, did I say, and I think I did say the other three episodes. It's been a long time since I shot. It's been a year since I shot these. And I'm thinking we did a sixth episode. And no, we actually didn't. We stopped at five. <laughs> but, but the the subject matter that I'm talking about we is is actually what's in those last two. Yeah. Very cool. So if somebody goes and watches your series, they should be able to build an iOS app by the end. Like not necessarily like a highly complicated one with all the whiz bangs and features, but they'll have something that works, that is maintainable, that looks nice kind of thing, right? Yes, they should be able to do the things that the majority of, even if you look at the Apple apps, because and, and, one of the things I do when I talk about controls is I show you, hey, these are, if we want to go through the the stock assets ship on your iPhone, these are the controls you see in most of them. Because most of the Apple apps don't use really fancy, customized UI. They, they use a lot of default controls with some right. customizations that are supported in, in Xcode on them, but you know, they, don't, they don't do a lot of fancy stuff. So I'm like, yeah, you, by the time you get through here, you've got, you've got an, an app that, can display whatever you want to display, can take input and buttons and user textual input, can show pictures. You know, one mm-hmm. of the biggest things in, in apps is table view. It's it's presentation of data. You present them in collection views or table views and you know, I t- teach them how to do that. Most apps, I would say, talk to a back end one way or mm-hmm. another. And right. yeah, I, I show you there's multiple ways of doing that. I talk about the fact that a lot of people, and you and I have had this conversation before of, of roll your own versus go out there and find the the third party library to do stuff. Well, you know, I talked about the fact that yeah, a lot of people do the third party route, but here is the roll your own version right. of, of which I've written my own, and I mentioned this before, my own frameworks that that I open source. So hey, if you, if you kind of like doing it my way, hey, here's something that, that does it for you. But you also got access to the code, and it's really straightforward and simple of of how to integrate mm-hmm. it yourself. You can take from it, do whatever, and 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 talk to your back end, get data from it, push data to it, um, and then customized views, not 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 where you would be creating like Adobe Photoshop, but mm-hmm. you know customized views where you might uh, be creating the the mail app or the music app that ships with with the iPhone. So with what's in there, you could do a, a decently complex and, and thorough app. Sounds good. So yeah, I mean, I kind of asked about the 200 level course, but once people finish the course, what's next? Where do they go from there? And I kind of talk about this in, I think in the, in the very last episode of where you can go. And again, it's been a year since I shot. So I'm like sitting having to think, what did I say would be the next thing you would want to go off and do? More customization of views, because even though I, 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 my customization of views is really more along the lines of taking existing components and compositing them to come up with something else that's customized for your app. 
But if you want to create something that's an input method that that's never been seen before, and, and yeah, I, I want a I want to make a pie chart where I can dynamically grab the bars and and you know resize the bits of the pie chart and things. That's not something you'll know how to do after getting through the 101 series. That would be 200 level series data storage. Uh, core data is is Apple's persistence framework that and, and Apple loves to make a point. Core data is not a database, so we're not talking about doing database. <laughs> although that could be integrated in there too, but that that is their preferred method of data storage uh, in iOS and macOS, and that would. That could take a whole series by itself, but at least to get you up and, and conversing, and it would be you know a whole episode by itself. And then probably some of the the more well known and well used frameworks. And at the top of that list, like I mentioned, a lot of iOS developers, probably the majority, use a standardized open source. Everybody knows it and seems to love it and works well. Framework for doing backend communications. Well, we should probably talk about that framework and how you how you go about using it because if you you know, not it needs to be aimed not just at I'm an indie developer who wants to learn iOS development. It should be also be aimed at I'm a corporate developer who's going to be taking jobs at companies with an existing code base, and I'm going to need to be conversant in best practices and the common stuff you find in iOS code bases in the corporate world. And most of them don't roll their own backend communication. So you need to be familiar with this framework and maybe that framework. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's, it's always interesting too, just, you know, how nuanced it can get, right. And, and what the trade-offs are, because, you know, this, this framework versus that framework or roll your own or however you do that. I, I like the approach of kind of empowering people to to make the decision that makes the most sense to them. Yeah, I, you know, whatever you want to, I, I, I trust <laughs> that, especially being on Twitter, you see a lot <laughs> of people with a lot of very strong opinions. Oh man. Programming and programmers and languages and what's legit and what's not. And then you see the other side of folks who like to jump up and say, stop gatekeeping. Yeah, that that's a word that I see pop up a lot of times. Yeah. Don't, you know, this is just as valid as that. So if you want to be someone who, who, and I, I don't want to say it in an insulting kind of way, but <laughs> if you're a person who wants to program by building erector sets, hey, take this piece from over there in the open source world, take that piece from over there. Yep. I want to spend my time not reinventing wheels, but doing what's unique to my app. Mm-hmm. You know, for those people, I totally get it, understand it and, and, and want to facilitate helping you get to that place. If you're someone like me who loves reinventing wheels and, mm-hmm. and you know, we all in this business know the term not invented here, that a lot of companies, <laughs> it's, it's called a syndrome, not invented here yep. syndrome for companies who don't want to take in and, and use any code that they didn't write. I'm, I'm completely honest about it and tell people in a heartbeat. I don't suffer from not invented here. I suffer from not invented by me. So right. <laughs> I love in reinventing wheels and I want every piece of code that isn't the, the manufacturer's frame, that isn't Apple's APIs to be written by me or at the most a snippet of code I got from Stack Overflow. So you know, I also want to facilitate helping those people understand how to go about doing the things they want to do. Right. Hey folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or 
If you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. And the other thing is, is that it, it reminds me of an episode that we did on Ruby Rogues, and I think it came out last week. But the issue was, was that I got in and I asked the question, I'm like, how do you guys manage authorization in a Ruby on Rails app? And, you know, because I'm like, I've tried all of the popular authorization management libraries and none of them work for my situation, right? Mm. And so we got into this really interesting conversation where, you know, one guy was a huge proponent of one of the libraries, right? And he's like, well, you know, it also does this and this and this, and those might solve your issue. And I was like, yeah, the the one feature kind of gets me closer to that, but it's still not what I'm looking for. And then, okay, well, what about doing it with this other library? And so we started talking about the ins and outs. Oh, well, this library does really good if you're under these scenarios. This other library does really good under these other scenarios. And gee, it sounds like your situation is kind of in the middle and you might have to roll your own. And this is how I would do it. And And that's, I mean, that's the kind of nuance, right? And so I could have just, from the beginning, rolled my own. I could have followed a pattern that somebody had given me. I could have made my own up. Or I could have used one of these libraries and tried to shoehorn some stuff into it. And none of those would have been wrong. Some of them might have been more painful than the others. But yeah, you know, depending on your point of view and where you're at, a lot of this just makes sense. Right. That's, that is the one place where you know, I, I always make the point when, these, when this subject comes up online, and it periodically does, the only reason that I see to use a third-party library if you're doing back-end communications is if you're dealing with a complex authentication scheme. Those are pretty hard to implement on your own, but the like AF networking is the networking framework that I was talking about in iOS that's the standard on iOS. It, it is much, much simpler done when you use AF networking than if you try to roll your own. But other than advanced authentication schemes, I'm like, I just don't see, I, I've yet to maybe advanced caching schemes is not something you mm -hmm. want to try to implement yourself. That's, that's probably only the other place it depending on what kind of data you're dealing with and, and how you're dealing with caching those would be the two use cases where i would say yeah go ahead and use that third-party framework mm -hmm. yeah it makes sense cool well why don't you give everybody an update on where you're at now and then we'll go ahead and wrap up and do picks so last time we talked was just a few months before heading out from my previous now previous employer Five years at General Motors doing some really cool stuff. And, and I think we've talked about it before, working on mm -hmm. uh, Bluetooth-enabled vehicles and you know, keyless uh, vehicle rentals. I uh, worked on e-bike stuff there toward in the last year or so I was there. Shuttle reservation systems for transporting people around large complexes. A lot of really cool stuff. Like I said, five years there, really enjoyed it. And... I mentioned to you that there's a, a story behind my departure there because I actually thought I was probably going to quite possibly end up retiring there. I, you know, I, right. I jumped around a lot in 25 years and in, in what's now approaching 13 years in mobile and finally found some place where I was working on stuff that actually saw the light of day. Um, and, and we've talked before about the fact that the first <laughs> yeah. eight or so years of mm, first six or so years of my career in mobile, most of the things I did were pr proofs of concepts and various things that people were just 
ideating on and kind of want to see what it would look like, but never actually released to the public. So yeah, hey, show me what the, the stuff on the asteroids you worked on. The only thing I can show you is my indie stuff because nothing I worked on in my nine to five got out there, and that was that was kind of depressing. So you know, being a GM, I was actually something that more than a hundred thousand people had downloaded and you know, tens of thousands of people, of people were using. And, and that was a, a very good feeling. So yeah, I had no desire to leave, but things change in places. And another thing you and I have talked about before is that I am unabashedly opposed to cross-platform development when it comes to mobile mm-hmm. and certain factions in GM were heading that direction. And unfortunately the group I was working in, the architects, mind you, we didn't have a mobile architect. The, the mobile team leads, of which I was one, kind of served in that role, but we didn't have the official title. And so the, the people with the official title had a little more sway, and they were pushing towards going with React Native or maybe, oh my goodness, the, the just lost my... The, Flutter? What's that? Flutter? Flutter. Yeah, yeah, Flutter. As possibilities, and, and then, I talk JavaScript all the time. So there you go. And so <laughs> React Native really was was the direction they ended up going in. And I've never been. Everybody in that organization knew my opinion on the matter. I, I'm not a a a quiet, reserved person when it comes to such things. So you know, it it, it came as no surprise to anyone that I was opposed to it. <laughs> I think where the problem started is is I made a point of going on to my LinkedIn profile and making a post about it that that I was a firmly native mobile developer, period, in the story. I make that well-known anywhere I go. When I interview, I ask them, are you doing native or are you considering cross-platform? If, it's, if there's a thought of cross-platform, it's not a job I'm taking. I got assured when I took the job that, that we got to make those decisions. And, okay, we're deciding on native. So when when you come and throw this idea of this cross-platform garbage at the team, that's when I have to start looking elsewhere. And that's what some managers and, and architects, and as I put it, people who know Jack Squat about mobile development, which is true. There wasn't anybody in there who knew mobile development. You know, mm-hmm. they had just started making that suggestion. So, you know, what you gonna do? That didn't go over well amongst some folks. <laughs> and it ended up being a, a long drawn out over the course of weeks, almost daily conversation of people are still upset over this. Uh, and yeah, I think you're going to have to have a conversation with HR, which I did. And, and that was somewhat contentious and we didn't see eye to eye. But we, we, we settled on this is what we can, we can agree on. In your opinion, I, I broke two rules of, of conduct with the company. And in, in mine, I didn't. But in your opinion, yours is the official company opinion. So fine. And everything was all left well and good and, until a few months later when certain, what I would call retaliatory actions were taken on, <laughs> on the matter concerning a raise and bonus. And so oh, man. there had to be consequences for that. And, and I, I very much understand and appreciate that I'm in a field where it's not like being an actor or an athlete where they are totally empowered to to put their foot down and have a say in how things go. But we're somewhat empowered that we don't just have to be home and I'm thankful I've got this vision and I don't care what they do, I just have to accept it. No, I can, I can tell you that what you did was unacceptable and, and there will be consequences imposed by me on you for that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that ended up with me choosing to go elsewhere, which was good. 
yeah, I, I still love the company. Great company. I just disagreed with the direction they went in and some of the actions they took. But for me, it ended up that I took on a position running development for a local early stage startup called Instant Hands, which connects uh, military personnel, veterans, and their spouses with small jobs in their community. You know, jobs are usually too small to, to bring in a, a contractor for who wants bigger kind of stuff, you know, yard work, hauling, uh, vehicle maintenance, small time kind of vehicle right. maintenance, painting kind of thing. So they had just gotten, I think they had just shipped the first version of their app about six months before I got there and operating in the Phoenix area around Luke Air Force Base, uh, which is our, our remaining Air Force Base, the two we once had, and, and got a bunch of servicemen to to sign up to be service, service providers and then started getting customers in the area to, to interact with them via the app to book mm-hmm. the jobs. And the CEO of the company was kind of handling, wearing all the hats and handling everything and dealing with... <laughs> uh, I've seen that before. <laughs> you know, working on a shoestring budget, you know, got an offshore development team and did the, he was doing the marketing, was doing any advertising, every kind of everything. So we started, okay, I've got to spend a little more money and bring in some people and I need somebody who can handle development. And since the, the main thing that we're doing is a, is a mobile app, so I need somebody strong on the mobile side because I had no, no, well, I shouldn't say no, very little experience on the back end side, but I do Android and iOS. So mm-hmm. brought me in to run development, took over the relationship with the offshore development team took a while to get to the point where I could actually do development myself. It, it's uh, it's a whole conversation of talking about dealing with offshore development teams, especially when oh, yeah. someone who doesn't know exactly how to go about doing that. Um, it took months for me to get the code base in our repository. It was sitting in their GitLab repository that oh, wow. we had access to. And so if they folded up shop and went, we were done. We didn't even have our source code. So and it took you know months and, and a lot of conversations and prodding and demanding to actually get work to be done in our GitHub repository. So once that happened, then I was able to to really do what I love the most, and that's actually write some some code myself. So now I manage their development and what they're going to do, and and them adding new features and, and fixing bugs and the stuff they've done. But then there are certain things I've taken over myself, and. and we talked before about kind of that I mentioned uh, our last talk that I had soured on the, the front end stuff. And I kind of was into the, the back end user orient, um, data oriented, moving data around and, and the architecture of an app. And in this case, like what I'm focusing on right now is diagnostics and logging, you know, how do Mm -hmm. problems pop up? How do we deal with this? Because you find, at least in my experience, a lot of back with a, a lot of offshore firms that they don't necessarily follow best practices. They don't do unit testing. Things break very easily, and, and a, a lot of best practices they don't follow. So you know, I, I'm now implementing things that I think are structurally more sound and going to make the product more easily to scale up as we go from being just around one Air Force base in Arizona to being around every Air Force base or not Air Force Base, every military installation around the world. So it's been a lot of fun for me. I, I And to be honest, and I think this has come through in some of our previous conversations, I'm an indie developer at heart. That's how I started. And even through the, the majority of my career, I've been 
the Mac developer, the iOS developer, the Android developer, mm -hmm. the mobile developer. I haven't had to play nicely with other developers for <laughs> much of the last 15 years. So I, I've come to be able to, to not be able to, I've come to enjoy being able to dictate, this is the code structure. <laughs> this is how we're going to implement right. it. We're, we're going to roll our own in that. We're not going to use the third-party framework for this. And, and being a GM, I had some control over that, but not total control over it. But now running development as a startup, I've got total control over it. And boy, do I right. love that. Yeah, that sounds awesome, honestly. Hey, folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. I've actually had somebody approach me with a, a startup idea that he's kind of got some momentum behind and I might have to pick your brain. In fact, what might be interesting is just pulling out another episode here within the next few weeks to a month and just talking about some of the challenges with, you know, that you run into in a startup of the size that you're in, um, especially where you're wearing multiple hats and working with an offshore team and things like right. that. I would love to just dive into what that's been like. And, you know, I'm sure some of the challenges are things that, you know, it's just with your experience, you just realized, you know, we've got to change these things. And it sound, you talked about some of those. And some of it's just going to be people things that I, I think anybody in a position where you're working with an offshore team that has momentum on their own, that has worked on some code in a way that you may or may not agree with, just, just how that goes, right? How those conversations go and how you make that work. Anyway, I'd love to just dive in and, and see what your experience has been. Oh yeah, that, there's tons to be said on that, and, and, and I, as you as you well know by now, I enjoy talking about everything development related, and that's just a whole other can of worms that, that's just enjoyable to talk about. Yep, very cool. Well, I can't remember if we do picks on this show or not. Did we do picks on your other episodes? No, we did it when uh, I freaks was on I freaks with you, and I had no idea going in what <laughs> what it even was so you kind of had to teach me on the fly that hey yeah. this, this is what, what what picks this for us i am curious is is there anything that you have been enjoying outside of code that you want to let people know is awesome wow outside of code uh not really because you know that that's what i i do i mean you know there's some entertainment one movies and tv shows mm -hmm. and and i'm a sports guy and the college and pro and and i've been the when we did the picks the one thing i mentioned was the nc2a tournament because that was 
you know, my big thing and and I mm -hmm. loved it to death. And it just so happens that it, got it went weird last year. A few days, right after we were talking about it, um, it got yeah. canceled right as the, the conference tournaments yeah. were midway through. So yeah, my picks, uh, my my pick for last year got totally destroyed. And, and it honestly was, you know, outside of personal stuff, it was the most devastating thing that happened oh, was man. losing the NCAA tournament for me. So really... Well, here's here's hoping we get it this year. It's also happened in Indianapolis, like confined in one city, almost like a bubble, mm -hmm. like the NBA did. So, fingers crossed, it takes place. Uh, but my college is having a a horrible underachieving year, so I don't even think they would actually get in. But it doesn't matter; I would still love it. The only thing you know, in this in this new COVID world is there's not a whole lot of things that uh, I've branched out on. It's just been kind of hunkering down the things that I do. But I don't remember if the last time we talked, I was learning Kotlin. I think I, I did a bit, and, mm -hmm. and I was working on porting my game over to it, uh, my iOS, my last iOS game over to it. And that kind of got backburnered for a while, especially when I started this new job. But I, I'm going to get back to it soon. But I, yeah, I, my pick would be Kotlin because it, it is it is a lot like swift but different in some ways it's got some really cool things to it that's that swift doesn't have and at times i wish it did so i, I i've enjoyed i enjoyed reading the book and uh, that that dead tree paper book that i read on it and i've mm -hmm. enjoyed working with it to the extent that i have ported my game over to cool very cool well we'll encourage people to go check it out what is your game what's the name of it again uh, loot raider l-o-o-t raider all right. Uh, and then also go platformer. Awesome. And then I'm also going to encourage people to go check out your course on uh, clean coders. Thank you. That would be very much appreciated. Would love to hear back from people on how they, how they enjoyed it or didn't. Yeah. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes so people can go check it out and uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Thanks for coming and talking to me again, Eric. Always a good time. Love, love these chats. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. All right, folks, until next time, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.